Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Seahawk, it is our commitment to you that you have complete access to the top professionals, industry experts, and products for your fire service. We stand by the service and products we provide. We are proud of our past, and we are constantly listening to our customers and exploring new ways to bring better options to the fire service. This is Seahawk. High level, safety, service, security. Please visit our website at www.seahawkservice.ca or give us a call at 1-888-791-4210. Welcome to Growing Up Fire, Season 2, Episode 11. I got the Pavics in the house, Zach and Alex. How's she going, boys? Good, good. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's going pretty good. We've only been talking about this for like two years now to try and get you on here. So <laughs> happy to be up in Slave Lake and uh, happy to have you guys on here. It was, I was laughing today. I picked Ryan up from the fire hall and it's you always notice things that are different or changing. or And so I noticed that the training things getting the tin put on it today probably most people wouldn't notice that but i was like hey cool <laughs> right that's a thing that's been talked about for four or five years now so you're probably excited to see bruce there banging away on the tin and we ask him every week and it's good to see some movement on it, so. <laughs> <laughs> those little things eh? it's funny how it goes so thanks for coming on a uh, big firefighting family this this is a four gen uh family which i think is super cool uh so alex it was your grandpa Yep, my grandpa back in the late 60s, early 70s was a fire chief in Strathmore. And then my dad followed in his footsteps. Uh, I don't know the exact dates, but I was quite young when he was on the fire department. And uh, I think he ended around the early 80s. Okay. And then I started in the ni- late 90s and uh, to, to today. <laughs> Till today, yeah. yeah. Still good today. Still good, yeah. yeah. And Zach, you are uh, you just got uh, minted. You're the freshly minted full-time firefighter at... Uh, Lesser Slave Regional Fire Service. So, yeah. If you could see his smile, folks, right now, you could not beat that off the guy's face with a stick, I'm sure. It always feels good, right? Lots of little things that led you to this path. We'll get to that later in the yeah, show. And sure. um, I, that's always a fun part for me, right? That everyone has a story. I kind of always say, oh, well, yeah, you just followed in your dad's footsteps. And, but here you guys are like, there's time in between and everybody was in a different place. And it's kind of a cool, I like that it's four generations that's super cool to me so so back to you alex first time that you could ever say i remember that i was in a firefighting family young kid uh, i remember i remember distinctly the fire phone so we had the old uh the house phone and right below it we had the fire phone and i remember dad answering the fire phone and i was probably between eight and 10 years old and and this phone would ring and dad would run out of the house and didn't really understand what was going on and then one day it kind of got explained to me that he was a fireman and never dad didn't really talk about being a fireman i knew that he would rush out of the house at all hours and all times and he'd come back early late didn't really tell the stories my early teens mid-teens my cousin and i burnt down a field behind my dad's house and we saw the fire trucks up close and personal and uh, I knew my dad was part of the crew that went to help put the fire out and that's when it kind of dawned on me what my dad did and I and I got it I would dad worked hard he was a hard worker and then he was a fireman on the side and and after that moment I was like that's pretty cool that he drops everything that he's doing to go and do this and come back and work more and be part of the family and so that's early kid the fire phone was definitely my dad had a scanner so that was also part of it and then the, all the, the rcmp radio chatter and yeah that. and then seeing the fire trucks that day and, and putting two and two together that my dad was a part of that and i was the reason that i that he was there because we made a stupid decision with a lighter and some matches but did you get caught you gotta know by 100 well they did they knew who it was my dad and my <laughs> uncle knew who it was and Son my, of a- yeah my cousin got suspended or got in got grounded for two months to his house and i got suspended from the arcade or grounded from the arcade so i was pretty devastated for that for a couple weeks but uh, he definitely my cousin got the brunt of that for sure so uh, but the hard lesson and that's when i realized that you know 
maybe you could be on the other side of it and helping the people that actually were putting that fire out versus lighting it. So I definitely turned the corner and uh, stopped lighting fires at that point until I got to do it for fun. I was going to say on. firefighter and pyromaniac. It's a, <laughs> it's a fine line. Razor yeah. thin. Now I get to light them for fun and watch other people put them out. So it's, it's we, I've come full circle. It's funny to me because I, uh, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, I've been there. I didn't light the fire. Right? <laughs> Marie Parrott, if you're listening, I did not light the fire. <laughs> but uh, across the spillway, kind of about where Aquamax is now, used to be a big uh, field there. And so my buddy lived right on the spillway. So you see all the f- smoke and flames and we're like, oh, let's go check that out, right? Down the spillway we go across the highway and we just get to the field and we're like, oh, this is awesome. Right? And all of a sudden the fire trucks all pull up and we're like, crap. They're going to think we did this, right? <laughs> Boom, down into the four-foot grass in the middle of a fire. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I get all that, right? And so we kind of worked our way over to the bottom of Cemetery Hill and kind of hid in some logs. And you could hear them, they're over here, they're over here. And they're like looking because they saw us standing on the highway and all of a sudden we're in there, right? And uh, we're like, and, and one of our friends from the neighborhood, his dad was a captain, Murray. And he, like he would have killed us. We wouldn't have had to worry about seeing our parents, right? So. <laughs> We're like, no matter what, like dig a hole, we'll stay here forever, right? We'll eat rabbits, whatever we got to do, but we're not going out. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, like we had to wait for hours while they finished all that. And and it was like, okay, we're going to get in a little bit of trouble from our parents for being late, but not nearly as much as if they actually, and there'd be no way of talking them out of that we lit the fire. So, um, yeah, I, I feel you. It's, it's no fun, but, uh, you know, it's just that curiosity factor. And I think that most firefighters would say that they have that, you know, we're the ones that play in the fire pit with the stick and everyone gives us heck. And we're the ones that light a, you know, cattail or stick on fire and we're running around, <laughs> writing our name in the air and, you know, all just like a little touched, right? It's all good. We couldn't lie our way out of it either. We were pretty guilty right from the start, so. We came back and told them we saw the fire, and by the time they got the fire out and came back to talk to us, they knew that we were the ones that started it. So we took it like we did as best we could, and and uh, for, like I said, fortunately, it was some grass and some trees, and there wasn't Back a lot in of, the day, it took a beating probably like every – No, I did Like kid. I said, the, I got, I got <laughs> grounded from the arcade for two months, and that was pretty oh. devastating for me. I couldn't go play pinball, but other than that, my my cousin got the worst of it. He was grounded to his bedroom for two months. We should, Zach, pinball was this game that you could play. <laughs> yeah, I play it on my phone now. <laughs> yeah, I'm great. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So it's funny how those little events can kind of bring you around to, to what's ever going on. So Zach, let's take it over to you now for a second. Cause I mean, your entire life, your dad's been a fire guy here, there and everywhere. So when's the first time you could think, Oh man, actually this might be for me. Yeah. Well, I definitely couldn't tell you about fire phones or anything. I think that's <laughs> up a bit before my time, but <laughs> that's so much before your time. It's great. Oh, I, uh, I distinctly remember, uh, like Christmas parties, um, at the tiny little fire hall in Stony Plain. And then, uh, going to the big one, the big new one that they have there now. And, they had the bouncy castle for the parties and it's reeled and, you in with the bouncy castle. Yeah, exactly. That's what got me. And then, uh, <laughs> then you start seeing the lights on the fire truck and draws you in even more. And, uh, just being there all the time. I remember, uh, they used to have an old inflatable boat and that was like my favorite thing for the longest the time I was Zodiac used or... to have. I think they probably still do. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor will be like, what? <laughs> I always used to push on it and I liked how how it felt and then uh started playing flag football with them there and that just really got me into it you get to meet all the guys and see that they're all one big family and then uh come to slave lake and start uh doing work experience there and slowly and slowly get more into it and now it's not the lights still still a little bit the lights to get me but you'll never get rid of that the lights i'm not uh, as old as your dad but close and uh (laughs) we still get drawn in by the lights yeah (laughs) i think you got to go way back and just thank captain mays for the cookies because if it wasn't for the that's true maybe that day the uh the sugar cubes too yeah <laughs> right, thanks to Captain Mays, who's forty years as a captain in Stony Plain. Forty he got years you with the sugar, and you never look back. Nice. So. Yeah, he's probably still popping the odd sugar cube there, trying to keep going. <laughs> eh? Forty years in the fire service. I, I'm not sure the exact dates, but he's been there for for quite a few years. That's so. pretty awesome. Okay, so 1998, you started being a volunteer firefighter in Alberta Beach, right? And so, kind of walk us through that story because I thought that was pretty cool. So, uh, 98, we're living in Stony Plain. My 
girlfriend, fiance at the time, uh, now my wife. And she and her mom had an establishment next to the fire hall, so a little restaurant and a little bar. And the firefighters in Alberta Beach after training would come in and have some wings and, and a little social time. And they always were bugging me. You should join. You should join. I was always there helping out when I wasn't working. And so finally convinced me to join. And and so I got on, uh, went through their little recruitment process and they had a couple trucks. I think they had a pumper and a tender and a little mini rescue van at the time. And I remember going to the old part two uh, in San Gudo. And on I day keep throwing three, the labels out there. Like yeah. everyone knows exactly how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> day three, I think we broke the water main in San Gudo and the, the town ops guy had to come and give us crap for what we did. And that was the first kind of course I ever took and got a real taste for how fun it could be to hang out with guys. And I remember racking hose for, for hours because that was what was the course was about. And went to a handful of calls, nothing nothing too serious, a couple of accidents and, and fires and things like that. And kind of got hooked and, and the, the friendships that I made there and, and the camaraderie of the guys. And um, one of the guys that I was on the department with, still a friend today, he, he lets me know late September, hey, I, I'm going to join Stony Plain. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Stony Plain looks like a pretty cool department. And, and he's like, you live there, you should join. I was like, oh, man, they're like, they're big time. I'm never going to get on Stony Plain. And so he went and he told me, he's like, oh, yeah, all I did is I dropped off an application. I spoke to the chief for a few minutes and he's going to let me know. I was like, oh, okay. So I stopped in and did the same thing and looked looked at their trucks. And I was like, yeah, there's no way that these guys are even going to consider me. I'm no real, not really in the fire, like learning. One month later, I got a phone call and uh, yeah, they asked me if I still interested in joining in Stony Plain and said yes. And so I went down and did a bit more formal interview with the fire chief. And so Welcome to the big show. Yeah. Yeah. Living across town from the fire hall and, and uh, yeah, 1999, January 2nd, got my pager, my bunker gear in Stony Plain. And uh, basically they, back then you, you responded to calls. You had a pager and you were told when it goes off and not six hours later, the battery went dead. And I thought that the pager was going off and I was in my vehicle and <laughs> the only lonely soul at the fire hall thinking what the heck's going on here only to find out that the battery was dead. Nothing was really happening. I so. love it that that was the same sound. back then. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I remember awesome. distinctively for the next seven or eight years, all the new guys when their battery died, that they'd come running down to the fire hall in the first week. That was like probably the minute or one where you're still rocking. No, I think it was about a three year. Oh, then, okay. But, uh, yeah. There. And then not, Two days later, we got our first real call and I was working night shift. It was like nine in the morning. And I remember I didn't fall out the window of our apartment, but I came pretty damn close and tried to drive a cold car down to the fire hall. And I thought, man, you got to be crazy to do this. And <laughs> 22 years later, I'm still doing it. Yeah, so. yeah boom. You're, we got you. <laughs> <laughs> you're hooked. And, and I think it's not the starting in Alberta Beach and working my way up to today. The lights, like Zach said, the lights and the fire trucks are cool and all that, but it's the people. It's the people that keep you there, the people you work with, the people you help, the people that, uh, you know, you get to see day in and day out. Those are the ones that keep you going. And that's part of the reason why I'm still doing it. So nice. it's like a recruitment commercial there. People should like, <laughs> take that snippet and play it in their communities. Eh? What do you think, Zach? Did he get you thinking you want to be a firefighter? Yeah, I'm going to I was going to sign up. (laughs) I'm going to charge for it, though. It doesn't come free. (laughs) Yeah, so so your wife's kind of like mine. Like, she she wasn't a wife when you were in the fire service, and then she kind of got married into it. So, got any good stories about that? Did you leave her anywhere, or...? Uh, I think she's walked home from the store a couple times. Um, we kind of have an agreement now that if we're going out for lunch, one of the kids knows where we are, so she doesn't have to walk home. But yeah, I, I, uh, we were we were together. Um, we were engaged when I started in the fire service. I can tell you exactly when I got married because we put a brand new fire truck in the service that weekend, and in Stony Plain, I had a couple buddies up from for the wedding party from down south and. Before we left, uh, we went and helped put hose on the new truck, and uh, that truck recently retired. So it's I've been married longer than a fire truck was in service. Holy so, crap! Um, and I, I often said, and I've had these discussions with my wife, if if we'd have had kids and I started after that, I don't know if I would have made it because it's a pretty big commitment, and I was able to dedicate the time early on, and I'm probably spend more time at the fire hall than I should have some days and and neglected her, but she stuck with me and uh, she followed me to Slave Lake, and over the years we. We've definitely been like that. Slave Lake. 
it was a big move and we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We're glad we did. But uh, yeah, it was definitely an adventure and, and uh, I'm lucky that she's been with me the whole time. And Yeah, because when did you come here? When when did you? 2014, July 2nd, I started. 2014. Okay. And, so, uh, Zach, you weren't that old then. I would have been 13. Oh, wow. Just teenager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's been, you know, she's been beside me, pushing me, supporting me. Spent a lot of time raising the kids when I was working and, and at the fire hall. So I couldn't have done it without her, that's for sure. It's uh, it's definitely been an adventure with, uh, you know, the fire service and having a family and stuff. So. The, the wives could be another whole podcast, right? Like I think of all the wives <laughs> that have sat in on this and were sat in the corner staring at their husbands the whole time. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you don't do this, can't do any of this without your spouse, right? So it doesn't matter, guys or girls, they got to have their spouse in their corner or it's not going to go well, right? I always tell mine that I was, I've been in the fire service longer than I've been married to her. So, I mean, other than be alive, I didn't do anything else longer than that. Right? So <laughs> it's been kind of a, yeah, that's a, a true story. Go, it's, right? yeah. And, and so you talked about that, you, you know, yeah, you get married, you have kids and the fire department's always like a big piece, not as big a piece when you're a volunteer or paid on call as your job, but something that you're always spending nights yeah. and weekends. And, and I think, you know, it's, it takes away from the kids, but not in a way that they feel bad about it, right? Just it, they know you got to go to this thing, right? And so I always uh, assumed, I guess, that my kids just hated it and they felt like I left these <laughs> birthday parties and Christmases. And um, later on, what you find out is I, they understood, right? Or if nothing else, it was part of their life, right? It's uh, think back, Zach, to some of the times where your dad's gone for a day or multiple days. <laughs> living in slave lake but uh you know did you ever really think what's this guy's problem how come he's not at my hockey game or how come he's not at or was it just part of your life uh you know i don't actually really recall any major times that he wasn't there for anything i think probably just something that happened so much that it was normal and never really stood out to me i guess is is why but i can remember missing a wedding in 2017 you had to take your mom to because i wasn't around so probably his <laughs> probably his mom remembers that a lot more yeah. than Zach. Well, she had a lot of fun, according to <laughs> her. But yeah, I was in BC, and so they went to a wedding without me. But yeah, I don't know. I just never something that really stood out to me. I guess. Yeah, like you're there when you're there, and when you can't, yeah. be, you can't be. And yeah, it's kind of. I think that's kind of now. My understanding is that's kind of how kids see it. Right. I was always thought like my daughter, for example, would have a big tally of all the times I didn't come, but she's just like, I don't know. like what you're saying, right? I don't know. It wasn't a big deal. If I wasn't there, mom was there, right? If we they weren't there, she'd go to hockey with some friends. Like it was just it was what it was. And a few fast trips back from Edmonton to Slave Lake during some events and you know, things like that that she remembers. But uh, uh other than that, it seems pretty good, right? So I was in Strathmore recently and we were talking back and forth and you actually got me to look up your grandpa's name, which was cool. So I, I sent you a picture, I think, of that yep. sitting on the plaque there uh, and then your dad's name was on there. And, and so to me, that was kind of cool that it kind of went like that. Do you ever have a little bit of that gnawing regret that you didn't get on the same fire department or is just being a firefighter? Well, I guess I don't have any gnawing regret. It's more resentment toward them not hiring me. Um, I think it, I think it's, it would have been cool to have your name up there. Uh, same as, you know, Zachary didn't get on in the fire service until we moved here. So his name's not on the wall in Stony Plain, but I get it. I mean, it's that legacy that you have to be a part of it in that community to get up there on the board. And, uh, I, I joke about the getting hired. I did apply back a few years ago and, and, uh, I'm glad I didn't get on cause I wouldn't be where I am today if I had, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a little part of me that would have been pretty cool to see, you know, my name next to my dad's name and maybe someday Zachary's name up there, but we're starting our own path. We, you know, we have our own path in Slave Lake now and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm smiling just as much as he is. Cause now he, we get to go to work together every day and I know that's going to present challenges down the road but it's also pretty cool to to get to be a part of that so and my dad's name's always going to be there and who knows you know who knows what yeah that's right yeah lost career yeah. left who knows if you'll be there or not yeah the uh yeah i mean the father-son thing at, at the end of the day you got to think of the fire service as a family business and as much as some people don't understand that i go to fire departments across the country right around the world and it's 
parents and their kids and it's siblings and it's aunts and uncles and it's, I don't know, to the people outside of this world, they don't get it. To anyone listening to this podcast though, they're like, oh, that's cool. The sun works there. Like it's not, you know, and uh, I agree. There'll, there'll always be some ups and downs. I could tell you stories all night about me and I, <laughs> but, uh, but I won't and no need for you to, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, still at the end of the day, it's, you'll always kind of walk out into the bay see your kid jumping on the truck and there's that pride slash worry slash happy uh, feeling that comes with it to go, Hey, that's right. Teach them the best we can and ship them out there and hope they do. Okay. And it, it probably, I'll be perfectly honest with you. It probably wasn't until like the last five or six years when we actually started to figure out that he was a fourth generation fireman. So I knew my dad was a fireman and then I remember vaguely back in the day hearing stories about my grandpa, but I, w- I wasn't around when he was a fire chief. So we, I think he was probably either early on as a volunteer or he was just getting old enough to be a volunteer. And we were having a conversation with my mom and she, she brought it up that my grandpa was a fire chief and, and the dad was, you know, I remember dad being, and then we, we went, wow, Zachary's going to be a fourth generation firefighter when he joined, when he was 18 in quotes um just before he joined 18 when he was 18 but uh, yeah it was for many years it was just it was a thing it was we were i was a fireman and you know i remember like i said the dad doing it when i was young but then it was like holy crap he's a fourth generation fireman and now it's cool to sit and talk about it and be like he he's the next in line and i got two daughters that are a little bit younger and who knows i don't know if they'll ever want to be firefighters but if they are we'll support them and who knows maybe there'll be another one in the yeah don't count them out because I know my daughter was like 11 o'clock firefighters, like <laughs> double fingers in the air. And, and here she is being an EM person, just killing it right, right into the family business. So I always tell everyone like, don't, don't count them out. You never know. Right. All of a sudden one day they might be like, wow, if it's that important to my dad and my brother, I should check it out, try it out. Right. So uh, it, it could happen. Yeah. There's a lot of years left. So, and, and you're right. Like that. I'm happy to see it there, but every every firefighter, and you know, until they're home and the trucks are in bed, you're worrying about every one of them. So I think that maybe it's a little bit more because he's my son, but I, I worry about all of them until they get home every night or every call. So I never really felt like it was any more or less. It was just, they're all like your kids till they get back, right? And Some just uh, act like it more than others. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only give them all heck like that, <laughs> something going. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's the same sort of thing, right? It's uh, any firefighter gets injured or hurt, you're thinking of it the same yeah. way and and trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, he'll remember back to the the truck accident and and uh, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, I was thinking about it, is, it but it I wasn't going to say it. Is, right? Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's a story I tell to yeah. people all over the place, right? It's not. It's a lesson that, you know, um, there was six people on that truck and unfortunately it, uh, it, it hit the ditch. Fortunately, it was the right call and that, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but the driver made the decision to do what he did and better than the other options. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we learned from it and, and we all know that that happens often. And, and I, I recall just before we got that truck that it happened around our area. And so we put a little bit more time into the training and, and he made the right decision because of that stuff that we specifically you spent the time on so yeah it was a good it was a good thing yeah for sure and it's a i think that here in slave lake you have that unique ability to train in a cooler way than most places right not to brag it up too much but <laughs> you know it's probably one of the best training centers in the country Give it to me. Yeah. Not, not, not <laughs> i don't want to say like which of the top three but <laughs> it's it's up there right and so i mean you always get the chance to and so to drag you know your kid into that lifestyle and to be able to put them into those training scenarios in a place like that just i mean it can do nothing but help you out and make you more confident with what he's doing right and then here because it's such a special place with that training center you get to see him grow so fast exponentially honestly like it'll just multiply um as he's training other firefighters from other places and you're like what are these young guys how do they know this stuff right but you're out there playing in firefighters disneyland every single day so (laughs) it just gets easier and even even at his age, I've already started to see him passing on some of what he's learned, and it's cool. It's cool to stand back and watch all of our guys share their experiences. But you know, he definitely—it's the pride thing getting to watch him do it to other people. So you know, the day that sucks—I'll tell you this right up front—is the the day that you're like, 
oh, dang, this kid might be better than me. <laughs> One day, this kid might be better than I'd me. I'd never admit it, though. I'm going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, well, you phone me. We'll talk yeah. about it. <laughs> he, might, he might be good, but I don't know if he'll ever be that good. <laughs> it's, it's hard to handle, I can tell you. <laughs> I, was, uh, I think mine was with uh, Ryan was teaching me a first aid class, and I'd taught first aid for 24 years. And when he was all done, I was like, <laughs> but he Sucks. still hasn't, hear, hasn't heard you say that though. Oh no! Don't be yeah. Don't be crazy. And nobody that listens to this, tell him. I don't want him to get it. <laughs> He's got a big enough head. He doesn't need any help. <laughs> okay, so you got to you know you did the volunteer thing. You did the paid on call, full time firefighter, deputy chief, now chief. As you go through that and you look at that, you know, like what are the good times, the bad times, the ugly times, the you know what what was the best job? You handled a lot there. The best job? Yeah. Fireman. Straight up. Deputy chief was pretty cool, but fireman, you, you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. You, well, I mean, other than less of when you're on the calls, but you get to come to the station, you worry about your stuff, you worry about what you're training, how you're training, you know, your group. But yeah, it's, and then deputy chief, you get to, you get to be up there, but you don't have to worry about all the stuff. You get to worry about, you know, you, your chief is very specific. Hey, this is your area and you deal with that and, and you still get to go on to the cool calls and be a part of that. And and then... Uh, the assistant coach thing. Yeah. You never get kicked off the bench. You no never parents have to worry are about swearing that. at you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you get, you get to deal with the good on both sides and the chief always deals with the bad stuff. And, yeah. And yeah. the coach gets thrown out of the game, That's and now right. you're the, the guy, right? It's like, yeah, this is a sweet job. Yeah, every time, every time the chief went away for a couple weeks, you get to be the boss, and then he, you know he's coming back. So uh, we'll just leave it for a couple yeah. weeks, and he'll deal with it when he gets home. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is beauty. So are you listening to Zach? You got the best job right yeah. now is what he's saying, right? Oh, yeah. So kick down those doors, spray the hose, right? Drive the truck, <laughs> do all the best yeah. stuff. Yeah. Because um, eventually one day you got to move up. That's how it works. And I agree with you. I think that uh, – I miss those days of just carefree firefighting, right? On the tools, doing the rescues, yeah. right? Driving the truck. Driving the truck, running the pump, doing the... And then you move up and now you got to be in charge. And then you move up some more and now you're standing there. And you move up some more and now you're sitting at the fire or sitting in your pickup truck, right? <laughs> or laying in bed going, I hope they don't call me. Sitting at a council <laughs> meeting while you know they're out of the car right. and getting the wreck stuff. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully I have a long ways to go before I have to worry about any of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're you're young for sure, but uh, every new firefighter's words right there. Yeah, I'm never gonna be that guy. Oh, of course. And then when you're 40, you're like, eh, knees are starting to get a little sore. <laughs> 45, you're like, mm, sitting in a truck's not so bad. But yeah, your hair all falls out or turns gray, <laughs> or both. Everyone's everyone's name is kid. Hey, kid. That's how it goes, no doubt. Acres Emergency Vehicles, a message from our community. A person who is risking his or her life to save the lives and properties of others deserves something as reliable as an Acres Emergency Vehicle. This is our mission, to thank these people with the best gift we can, our best effort. Our commitment includes a firefighter-driven design, manufacturing integrity, personal and professional service. We are here to serve. We guarantee personal and professional service every step of the way. Acres Emergency Vehicles, built for a life of service. Please visit our website at www.acresev.ca. So, I mean, saw a million things, right? Got to do some cool stuff. You're at the 2011 Wildfire and Slave, 2016 Wildfire Fort Mac, 2017 in BC. There's been more. You were up in high level 2019. Give us some stories from those. I, I think a lot of the stuff that I, I mean, I remember the seeing the houses burned down and the destruction and the stuff that I remember is is the resilience. I remember in Slave Lake, the the just seeing the different fire crews and seeing the slave and i i distinctly remember and it, it's not because i'm here now but i remember seeing some of the people that are still on this fire department one day standing outside the fire hall by the fire hydrant filling up one of the trucks and and just those those firefighters from the area that battled that wildfire and and obviously you know i didn't know who they were at the time and and some of the people that were there obviously weren't from slave lake but there's a couple distinctive people that i recall being there and and 
so yeah, a lot of bad stuff happened, but the people, the, the firemen, the people that came to help, I remember sitting in a hotel uh, about day three, talking to some of the MD staff who I got to know later, great people and had their Tommy stories about how they left and came back and they're doing heavy equipment and they're running operations and find whatever their jobs were and how they're in tears thanking us. And I'm like, why are you thanking us? Like you're literally the people that need to be thanked. You're the ones that are dealing this. You've been here since day one through all this. And yeah, it's, you can always talk about the bad stuff. Everybody wants to know the bad stuff you see. And that's not what we, we, we want to talk about the good stuff and, and the people that went through it and, and how they recovered. I remember my wife and I have a joke. We came back in 2012. I brought my family up to Slave Lake. Got to show them what, where I was, what we did. And we'd already seen houses being rebuilt and, and the community was, was coming back and, Two years later, I, I get a job up here, and and the joke is after after Fort McMurray, she didn't want to go visit because she didn't want to move to Fort McMurray's so wedding. I got a job up there, so <laughs> this pattern must stop. <laughs> yeah, but but it was the people. It was the it was the firefighters and the, and the people working the desks and serving the food, and and they were there for a reason. And we were just a small part of being able to help for the short time that I was here or there. Yeah, like I said, we could talk about the bad stuff all day. I remember the smoking houses and the burnt out cars and, and the trees and the retardant on the highways and stuff. But that's that's everywhere you go, right? That's every fire we go to, there's something bad. But you got to remember the good stuff. And, and uh, there's so much of it. that, uh, And that's what kept me going. It's you come home and you can talk about, break down all the bad stuff. But what's the point? You want to talk about the good stuff and and that keeps the other guys going too. So that, that fire is kind of cool because that would have been like the first time you ever met Carl Hill, who was a captain here then. And yeah, he wasn't one of the ones that I recall. I, I distinctively remember Jim Meldrum, Joanne Hunter. I remember seeing Sean Kearney out, out and up out. And I, like I said, I ran into probably a probably pat crossed your path at some point in the fire hall with the three hundred other people that happened to inhabit the fire hall while we were here. I remember there was a big meeting in Calgary, Edmonton. Peace River. I remember seeing multiple patches and one of our guys, he's like, watch this boys. And we're all kind of standing at the back and he walks straight into the middle of all these Calgary firefighters, puts his arm around him. I'm like, we're, we're like, this guy's dead. Like, <laughs> like somebody from Calgary is going to walk this guy outside. And, and there was a chief or district chief or somebody from Calgary just like, Hey man, how's it going? And I was like, wow, that is, that is cool. Like they didn't, instead of embarrassing the guy, they literally like high-fived him and thought that was pretty neat and that's not something you could do in other places and yeah so i remember i remember seeing them and i ran into carl a, a couple years later in stony plain and that's how the carl hill star story comes about yeah, that's his fault here 100 <laughs> carl yeah it depends what day it is um he makes a mean chocolate cake so uh, some days uh it's great and some days yeah it's his fault today I, I ended up in slave lake but those days i don't have very often so it's so fun. You know, you mentioned that story and I always think like it was all these great interactions. The only time I ever felt bad was there was a guy from Calgary and it was the first day we got a briefing from forestry. There's 300 of us in the fire hall. It's this kind of famous picture that hangs around and, and uh, all of a sudden they just started the briefing and this guy's phone goes off and like 300 people dead stop. Like I've never seen 300 firefighters stop talking in my entire life. So this was like the first time ever. <laughs> and this guy opens his phone, like answers it. It's his wife, right? He's like, just a minute. And he runs out the kind of side door of the old fire hall there. And he's outside talking and, and everyone's like now kind of worried, right? Like his wife called. So we're all basically waiting to start the brief and you could see him through the window talking to her and he's trying to hurry and finally hangs up, comes back in and. He's like, sorry about that. Everything's good. And then the briefing just like immediately starts. There's like, okay, we're back after it. Right. So it's kind of like that family feel, right? Like is, was everything okay at home or do we have to do something or what's happening? And, you know, she was just checking up on him. Bad timing for him, but uh, kind of good timing to see that whole cool piece. Right. You've probably seen the picture. So after I started in Slave Lake, this picture surfaced of Ryan at the age of about 14 in the driver's seat of our fire truck from Stony Plain that we brought up here. He told me when I got the job, he's like, I kind of remember you. And I'm like, ah, you don't, dude. Like, there were so many people who came up here. He's like, no, I remember you being in your truck and I was in your truck. And I'm like, no, Ryan, like you're way out. And, and then a couple years later, it was his birthday and this picture showed up in my Facebook or somebody sent it to me and I shared it with Ryan. I'm like, holy crap, he's literally in our, in our fire truck. <laughs> and he's like, don't tell anybody, but I was actually driving the truck. And I'm like, like when you're like 14, he's like, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Um, and I remember that it's funny that that came about because I remember going and looking at some of the Calgary fire trucks and, and the guys like, Oh yeah, climb in, take it for a ride and stuff. And that was just the mentality. It was, it was like, it's just cause we're all on Slave Lake. You can like, our stuff is your stuff and we want to share and we, we work together. And, and uh, yeah, it was, you got to see the small town, the big city in the small town. And 
distinctively remember sitting at the hotel the first day we were here and one of our firefighters and Calgary Edmonton fire trucks cross pass on Main Street. And I said, boys, if we ever see this again, shit's gone downhill. And <laughs> that exact same firefighter in Fort Murray walked up to me. He goes, remember when you told me about those two trucks? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's gotten worse, man. And, you know, unfortunately, it, it happened again not many years later. But uh, we didn't, yeah. we, you know, we thought it was a one-off. And and here we are five years, six years later doing the same thing in Fort McMurray. So with the same same guys, only different departments. It was fun. that Those Calgary trucks all came brand new. They were brand new. They hauled them here. And so I was like the first custom cab truck that I ever got to drive. Oh, okay. was one of those brand new Calgary. <laughs> my kid had a lot more fun, right? He's driving every kind of Hot Wheels. He's driving police cars and ambulances and fire trucks. And it's like, man, you have to stop. You only have a learner's license. It's, there was nobody here to get Yeah, no, so. like literally, yeah, it was, it was fine. It was... Uh, it was harder to get him to stop driving everywhere when everyone came back and they turned the lights on. Like, no, you don't have a driver's license, right? But uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, I look at some of those pictures, how many different kinds of trucks and people from everywhere. And yeah, Fort Max, same thing, right? There's just like, you go into the parking lot and there's a hundred fire trucks from all across Alberta and contractors with their tank trucks. And uh, you remember that big seed truck? Yeah. It was like a hydro seeder truck. Everyone's like, what's this thing, right? Terrace, if you're listening, it's not better than your truck. <laughs> so, yeah, you're okay. <laughs> Wish baby's truck's still a beast. I send him pictures. I'm like, how'd this guy get into town? Terrace had not good choice words for me that <laughs> night. So, um, But yeah, I remember sitting in Mac Island and all the different equipment. And, and, and it was interesting because in 2011, you got to know a few people. And in, in Fort McMurray, we were seeing some of the same people same different departments same departments and and that's kind of when it all dawned on us that this wasn't a one-off you know and it's so knock on wood we've i've only been to two of them and hopefully it doesn't happen again anytime soon but you know we definitely learned some things from those it's happening in colorado at christmas time so right i mean it's it's going on i think i don't know once a week now you see a feed from somewhere right doesn't matter if it's australia california colorado somewhere in canada it's uh it's a lot more prominent now zach what was it like for you you know you're just a young guy and your dad's going to these things and he comes home and he talks about them and do you remember him talking about fort mcmurray at all when he came home and i actually remember slave lake we were in fort st john in bc and uh we're at my what would they be aunt and uncle and uh was on tv there was uh, a reporter on tv and you could see the smoke and the flames kind of off in the distance and I ran upstairs and grabbed my dad and I'm like, hey, dad, look, this town's burning down. You know, never heard of Slave Lake before. And then saw on the map all of a sudden. And then two years later, we're there. And then a couple of years after that, we're moving there. Um, and then, yeah, I, I remember when he went to Fort Mac and kind of came back with all the same stories that he's saying here. And just like kind of that same experience again. Kind of drives you, eh? Like those big... You know, you talk about being able to help people and it's all about the people and those kind of big events are like when you really recognize, right? You watch 90,000 people leave the city. That's going to get you in the feels, right? Yeah. yeah you want to be there and you want to be helping. Oh, yeah. And, and it's really like, honestly, every firefighter everywhere wants to be at every event. You never want to miss anything, right? I think it's worse when you first get into it. Like you're a brand new firefighter. You don't want to miss any calls. You don't want to later on. You're like, yeah, I'll miss a few. No big deal. Talk about missing it. I remember poor Logan, poor McMurray and poor Logan's out in training and talk, he's getting all the stories about poor McMurray and everything going on. And he's stuck in class. And yeah, I think he got kind of snake bit on all the big type things that we did for the longest time. He was, we were all doing all this cool deployment stuff and he was stuck in course or in school and miss we i remember we used to bug him pretty hard about it but yeah he didn't really get to shine until 2019 when he got to go to high level and uh wabska and do a bunch of different stuff but uh there's no doubt you think it was bad watching it you should have been his boss there (laughs) (laughs) can't just leave training no you can't you're literally training on what we have to do yeah so, yeah, you can't be everywhere, right? I, I mean, there's lots of fire chiefs I talk to that, you know, I was on holidays and the biggest thing that ever happened at their fire department happened and they miss it, right? Or they miss the start of it. Or, I mean, I always solved that by never going anywhere, <laughs> except in the wintertime, right? But uh, it's different. And, and nowadays you do. You got to take better care of yourself than ever before. You know, I think you're sitting here across from Zach and I think of all the things that you've seen and I've seen. And probably that's one of those bigger worries, right? That now we handle it way different we have programs and you know you could talk to people and stuff but it uh 
it is a thing that you worry about for the youth. And then, of course, your own blood, it gets even uh, tougher, right? Yeah, you're, you know, back in the day, you had to be tough and you couldn't think about it and you weren't allowed to talk about it. And you're right, it's this day and age, our firefighters are important. And if we don't have them, we don't have a fire department. And we have to listen to what they have to say. And, and when they're struggling, we need to find the help. And I think in the last few years, that's become very prevalent to me. And I was probably that guy like, oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. And and you'll be fine. Just, you know, get some sleep and get some rest and maybe shut your page off for a couple of weeks and come back when you're healthy. And uh, that's not an option anymore. It's, it's, you need to get them the help that they need or, or sometimes just be a list, be a shoulder to, for them to, to talk to or listen to. And, you know, you don't want the end result that, that could happen. So we have to make sure that we're getting the help and, and being that, that ear if they just need to bend it and and uh we got to make sure that we have the guys to fill the trucks because if we don't we're not helping anybody anytime so yeah for sure all right let's go back to your uh, chief officer time <laughs> um, the things that you used to like to do the best let's, let's name off a couple of those i love training i like uh i like being able to be with a group and pass on what i've been able to learn over the years and and share that with the the younger and older people. I, I love the the training. I, I love. I used to love driving fire trucks to calls and out of the fire hall and and to the emergency and whatever that looked like. I also remember that if you were one of the guys that got leaned on, you got to drive in the crap weather and the crappy days and and uh, go, going downhill sideways in a rescue truck on in an ice storm and. <laughs> complete silence we're in the still truck. on the best of times yeah right? no those, it was fun times but it was uh you know what the the road condition the, the conditions were great but it was still the best to, like being able to drive the truck and, and being relied on throwing your pack on and going inside and and being with the crew and and putting the fire out or finding the fire that was always like all the all the stuff everybody talks about you know fighting fire wrecking cars training all that stuff that was always and still is it's if you if i get the opportunity to do it you still smile at the end of the day and high five and oh man that was good um there's never a good car accident but we always thought that you know you got them out and you got to cut a door off that was pretty cool so yeah ripping apart someone's ninety thousand dollar car it's always <laughs> like that good and bad right it's like man this is so sad this person's hurt but they're still alive and we're gonna get them out and we just trash the suburban or whatever right uh, on scene where man i was like we hope they're okay and as soon as you get in the truck it's like man do you see the way that door came off and see the way that that roof uh you know the way those posts got cut and so it's a weird mentality to have but it's kind of how we had to deal with it so i remember this one time it was like a four car accident out by the way scales on the way back to Edmonton from Slave and we get called out there and it's like four cars, but they're spread over probably a kilometer by the time everyone gets stopped. And so they stop at the first one, kick two of us out and then take off to the next one. Right. And the next truck's going to get the next two. And we walk up to the window and you can see in the back, there's this firefighter bag. So you're like, Oh no, it's a firefighter. Like, you know, it's kind of raise your spidey senses. And we walk up and we like knock on the window and this guy looks over and the look on his face, I'll never forget it as long as I live. Because he's like trying to figure out how we're running so fast beside his car. And he's like, he's just hammered, right? And he's like still holding the wheel, driving down the highway. And we knock and he's like looking over at us like, these are the fastest guys. He is, right? And so we open the door and we're like, hey, you know, you've been in an accident. Just no realization whatsoever on his face. And, you know, it, it's just one of those times where you're like, man, this was, this could have been really bad. Right. So we were, it wasn't around. a good day from him, but it was, yeah, it was, it was still one of those ones you have to yeah, laugh at. It was kind of like, well, how did this happen? Right. Like <laughs> what's going on now? Take out the death, the destruction, like the, the worst of the worst things we see. What are some of the hardest things you can remember being a chief officer? Kids, anything to do with kids, whether it was broken arm from a bike accident or, they were involved in a car accident or their house was on fire. Like the kid didn't have to be, the kids don't have to be in, um, injured or anything like that. Just when, it, when you deal with kids. It's got to um, be there. Yeah. yeah it's because uh, it always affects them the most. They, they, you know, you go to a house fire and kids are losing their stuff and, and they're, you know, they don't get it. They don't understand that things can be replaced and houses can be rebuilt. They're all together. Maybe because I had kids early on when I got in the fire service and it was always something that was prevalent to me. You know, adults understand it and they they get in car accidents and they can get a new car and they're going to move on. And But kids, kids as much as they're resilient, they, they don't understand house fire, you know, and, and car accidents and things like that. So anything with kids and, you know, anything where it was where the innocent people, 
they yeah. say, right? So you get, you're talking about a drunk driver, and they're usually the ones that walk away when the when the innocent people. Other don't. side of that, yeah. So it's the they literally not doing anything wrong, and all of a sudden their life's changed forever. Those are the ones that seem to stick out the most. Yeah, the part of the accident where it's an actual accident yeah. for them, not so much the other guy. They didn't make a bad choice that day. Somebody else didn't. They're the ones that are going to suffer for it. So yeah, talking about kids, I I remember I. When my son was born, I just finished taking my EMT, and uh, I had the worst EMT syndrome there ever was. Everybody's <laughs> like, I'd watch him at night for like six hours straight. Is he still breathing? And I'm checking him, and because of course you're learning all about the worst of the worst things that can happen to people. And and uh, and then another one was a young lad from town, and their trailer burnt down, and they showed up the next day, and they're trying to like we're going through the what's left right and he had this like prize lego collection you know he had the big death star all made out of lego and he had all that and he didn't play with them he didn't touch them they were just all on shelves and his dad's like oh you know you really want to know did any of his lego survive and it's all like melted it's oh. like colored globs of this and that we did happen to find a steel box tin box that had a bunch of his treasures that was okay so we got that to him but it uh you know the, you're right those those pieces just like they hit you in the fields there and there's no way to get around it they're also the, the most thankful when things worked out their way. We, we responded to a call here in Slave Lake. A, a young kid had got his foot caught in his bike. Wasn't really hurt, um, but we had to wreck his bike to get his foot out. And, and he was more devastated about the fact that his bike was getting wrecked. And so we presented it to the society, the Slave Lake Firefighters Society, that, hey, this this would be a great opportunity for a little bit of support. We that They decided to buy this kid a new bike, so we took the fire truck down and the smile on that kid's face could have lit up the whole town when we brought that new bike out of the fire truck for him and he was realized that hey you know for three days he didn't have a bike and now he's getting this brand new fancy spider-man bike i think it was and yeah that kid like that was that was all worth it that, that made the whole year for about six or seven people so i think you just screwed up you just reminded me of like we're talking about the good the bad and the ugly here and i don't think it'd be the same if we didn't talk about alamos <laughs> what do you think, Zach? I think we should do it. I, th- I think that there's a story a podcast there. for Jordan. <laughs> I don't know, Chief. I think you got to tell us the story. Uh, well, for the yeah, it's, the the short version is there's a pizza place in Slave Lake called Alamos. Great pizza place. Great supporters of the fire service, and we. We've had many a pizza from Alamos. And, shameless uh, plug. Yeah. Shameless plug, yeah. I'm hoping You're welcome, Ali. I heard they got a big 18-inch pizza. Maybe they'll donate it to <laughs> As we now know, there's a pizza place in Texas, San Antonio, Texas, called Alamo. So we were hosting a mental health awareness night one night with uh, Wayne Jasper out of BC. And so I said to Jordan, one of our newer firefighters, I said, hey, order pizza for, for the crew tonight. And... And so I just call call Alamos and, and order 20 pizzas, whatever it looks like. It's something we've done many times, didn't think twice about it. And so he, he looks after it, tells me it's ordered, and he comes down to my office in the afternoon and says, Hey, uh, I, I got a question. He goes, he goes, why would Alamos Pizza have a Texas phone number? And I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> so right away, and he goes, well, when the pizza's ready. I'm like, well, it's like a little early. So Texas time's obviously different than Slave Lake time. So right away, I grabbed the number, called them, and, and ended up speaking to the owner of Alamo Pizza in Texas, and right away knew that we'd made a mistake, and he had 20 extra large pizzas sitting there, <laughs> and uh, very carefully explained that there was a mistake, and right away, this owner of the pizza is like, he's getting stiff for 20 pizzas. I'm like, dude, I'll pay for the pizzas. I got no issues with that. And he's like, oh, okay, and kind of changed his attitude a bit, and he's like, what do you want me to do with 20 pizzas? I said, well, you got to have fire stations or police stations or ambulance stations. He's like, yeah, yeah. So I said, just go hand them out for free and uh, send me the bill. I'll pay it. I'll call you with my credit card. So kind of, and then I called Jordan right away. I said, like, we, we need pizza. So he orders from Alamo's. And of course they come through like they always do clutch and, and our people get pizza. Now everybody's starting to hear about this Alamo pizza thing. And if anybody knows and is having a conference with Wayne Jasper, he likes pizza and he doesn't usually start a conference without pizza now. That's kind of his go-to thing. So. <laughs> Then we started on our Facebook page getting these pictures from fire stations in San Antonio, Texas, and they're thanking us for the pizza, and they, they heard the story. And and uh, so all of a sudden, the firemen had a connection. So Slave Lake firefighters and San Antonio firefighters, and we're sharing stuff back and forth on Facebook, and all of a sudden, the news picks this up. And it's the news is, like you mentioned, death and destruction, and, and all of a sudden, now there's a feel-good story about a pizza mishap. So we start getting messages. They want to interview. So And, of course, Jordan 
hates doing that kind of stuff. We made him do a couple and then he, he's like, I'm done with this. But ABC, NBC, all these people want to do pizza stories. And uh, it had some pretty hard traction for three or four days. Topping it all off, Google Canada sent Jordan a Google Assistant internet-based thing with a handwritten note saying like to him and the firefighters next time you order pizza just use your google assistant um <laughs> Love so it. yeah that was kind of the cherry on top getting beat by google yeah and then like all good things alamos kind of took the ball and so what what had happened was people in slave lake called down to texas and say hey, order two pizzas and send it to these guys and and then people in texas called and said hey order some pizza and send it and we actually got pizza bought from people in texas kind of a hey we heard the story and uh, they started a, a pizza pay it forward event thing where you could randomly donate money and they'd deliver pizza and they, the hospital and the police station and schools and everything else ended up with pizza. And it, it turned out to be a really cool mistake. And and <laughs> I, I heard uh, somebody that uh, kind of mentored me said, you know, we always find a way to stay in the news, whether it's good or bad or ugly. And, you know, <laughs> the some people I know aren't happy about the, the $250 pizza bill that we paid down in the States. I'll be honest with you. I was pretty surprised. That the guy told me that firefighters get a 60% discount. So we got a pretty good deal on pizza that In American dollars. In American dollars. So it was like uh, $2 million in yeah, Canadian. But. I was pretty worried when I found out I bought 20 pizzas in American dollars. But the bill was like $250. And that you can't pay for that kind of advertising for a small town slave lake on a good story. I mean, everybody knows we had the fire in 2011 and there's been flooding and other events. And so for $250 in free pizza advertising, we'll take that all day. And yeah, it's still every once in a while to pop on somebody's Facebook memories and we get a phone call, Hey, or an email, Hey, remember the pizza story? And yeah, yeah we remember. And, and thanks to Jordan for, I mean, if you're Jordan, if you're out there listening, uh, you're down in Southern Alberta now, the area code is 403. So if you're calling for anything, it's area code 403. Start there. And if and that's the not... the beaks just keep coming. Yeah, if that's not it, uh, maybe hang up and try again. So You know what? I love it. There's a good one to, you know, you're the boss. You could do it a million different ways. You could lose your mind. You could be pissed off. You could try and keep it a secret or, right? Always just own it. Yep. That's When you're a firefighter, you just got to own it. Whatever the mistake is, right? Own it. Live it. Keep going. I love it. I love that story. I love everything about it. I love how it got traction and moved forward. And yeah, I'm sure there was haters. Haters got to hate. That's their job, right? But uh, for the most part, that was a feel-good story yeah. um, that lasted better part of a month on and off, right? So and uh, I know, like, I know there's some guys down in San Antonio sporting some Lesser Slave Regional Fire Service hats and T-shirts, and we got some San Antonio hats, and we're firemen, right? We all the offers there. If you ever come down to San Antonio. They'll probably take us for pizza. And we told them, hey, we've got some great fishing in northern Alberta and they got a place to stay if they ever come this way. So yeah. it's, you, know, you never know. And one, yeah, that's right. <laughs> one day you just might see them, right? And it's like, holy man, that's so it's, cool. Uh, it's, it, it, the, the full circle on that story is there's a firefighter in Stony Plain who, in his job, took him down to Dallas, Texas. And he, he works for a big realtor developer company down there. And, and uh, we're friends on LinkedIn. And he actually messaged me and he heard the story. He's like, man, like right there in Dallas. Yeah. He's like, it's, and he's three hours away. He's like, if you ever want to come visit, we're three hours away. I'll take you and get your pizza myself. But like 15 years, I've not, I haven't talked to this guy or, or seen him. And all of a sudden he's shot me a message one day and said, Hey, I heard the pizza story and I knew right away who it was. <laughs> pizza made the world small. Right. That's so cool. I, pizza, I mean, pizza makes everybody happy. Yeah, let's be honest. That's so. true. Especially fire. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's cool. So, I mean, to me, that's great story, right? There's there's nothing there but great stuff, in, in my opinion. To me, it's like how you own all those things. Just own the mistake, own the fix, own the everything, right? And you're right. Like, you couldn't have sat down with a group of people and figured out how to get better publicity out of all that. And it all just comes from making an honest mistake and living up to that in the most honest possible way so there was cool. a um, plane with fire with john cena movie that came out about the same time and they actually hashtag random acts of pizza because of this whole incident so that's how far it made it was to and probably their social media team got a hold of it and um our local alamos comedian tried to get john cena to be a part of it it never panned out but like we made we made the big time we, yeah. we made the we, we were a pretty big deal for national news for yeah. pizza <laughs> right international yeah. What? That's awesome. 
So those are the kinds of things that uh, you love, you're part of. You're the Western Canada Director for the Canadian Volunteer Fire Service Association, CVFSA, right? We've done some good conference work. We've been around, I mean, all over Canada, no people because of that. What's the CVFSA up to? What are you, what are you guys doing? So we COVID, I'm sure, like lots of other organizations and, and face-to-face meetings kind of became hard and people's regular jobs and things got in the way so we kind of slowed down at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 the last year we've spent kind of rebuilding rebranding retooling uh we're shooting for a conference in person this year in prince albert which we haven't had for a couple years due to the covid and everything else going on so the board is strong there's always positions that we're trying to fill on the board if anybody's interested but uh, yeah we're we're, we've turned the corner. I think we've come from kind of being dormant for a couple of years to getting back out there. And we're going to start ramping up the membership drives again and, and going after that. And I think the biggest thing for the association is the conference every year and, and not having one for a couple of years, we kind of get forgotten about. So it'd be nice to get back in person. And I, I got to be part of it back in 2018 when we hosted the conference in Slave Lake and then I went out in 2019 to Wolfville, Nova Scotia and got to attend the conference and that's when I joined the board and and like everybody else you know work and things got kind of slowed down for myself as well but we're we're back in we meet monthly uh, we have lots of good talks we've really talked about rebranding and getting new logos and getting ourselves back out there so I see a total bunch of beauties Every single person I ever met as part of that organization, great people, heart in the right place, right? Just doing good things. So um, definitely reach out to any of the directors or to the board at CVFSA. And if they get a chance, make sure you come up to Prince Albert and check out the conference. I'll be there, but don't let that deter you from uh, coming anyways. still a good time. If you see me and I have my microphone in my hand, you just run away. You don't have to... Don't have to come and say hi. You never know. There might be a Bubbles interview taking place. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Paul Maynard, shout out. Um, so, yeah, so you're you're part of all that. You're still continuing on all the wildfire legacy from the 2011 wildfire and all the stuff that came from that. So you guys are developing structure protection unit, basic, advanced, hazard reduction course, engine ops course. That's taken off. Uh, I was talking to Patrick McConnell the other day, and you guys are doing courses kind of all over Western Canada, which is kind of cool that that's still going and, and still taking off. What's that like when you look out into the back of your training center and you see people from all over the place taking courses developed in Slave Lake? I think it's it's really cool. Uh, part of what I guess the legacy of the 2011 firefighter was wildfire, sorry, was to have lessons learned and, and what could we do with that. And so I, I've always been just a very small part of that. I, I came in to Slave Lake in 2014 and I learned a lot myself about wildfires after I started here. Had got to have lots of conversations with guys that were boots on the ground and, and to be a part, a small part of developing a program that like the basic, the basic I think is 99.9% there. We've got instructors, former members of the of the full-time team, former volunteer firefighters from Slave Lake. They're kind of spread out now, but they all come together for training. They they instruct. We've had, I think we've had about, I'd say six or seven of those courses now, a couple of them outside of the province. Uh, this year, they're, they're ramping up. They've got three or four on the books already. The advanced course, kind of the more the leader, the boss of the crew, sits 70% of the way there. And you're right, Patrick is, has spent a lot of the time, uh, he's kind of taking the lead on some of those still, even though he's moved on to to bigger and better things for what he's doing. But I think we're probably at an instructor pool of about a dozen guys that have come through Slave Lake at some point in their careers. And they're still passionate about spreading that message of what we can do better and what we've learned and, and how we can, if we get called or if we have calls in our own area, how we can how we can better be prepared for those types of incident events because they were lots of unknowns back in the day. So there was a great plan to set some money aside and start to develop these courses. And I mean, I've seen five or six different textbooks on the basic course myself and and how much it changes every time six or seven people get in a room with 20 students, the ideas that come from it and, and hey, what about this? And so it's always growing and, and expanding. And yeah, it's it's just been great to to have something out there and 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 to be a part of it. and share those lessons with other people and and other departments and agencies nice yeah it's great so i love to see that legacy right those those things that uh kind of one of the biggest things to happen in a long long time and something good's coming out of it right so gotta appreciate that 
All right, last tough question. Before I say it, I'm going to say, Zach, welcome to the full-time ranks, right? Thank Better you. than a real job. You're a firefighter now. Wear that with Absolutely. pride. Absolutely. a good thing. What's next for the Paviks? What's what's next, boys? What's going on? Well, his rent's going up. Now he's got oh, a real job. Jesus. Sorry, Zach, sorry. Yeah, we'll, I'm, we'll I'm moving out, out actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I, I mean, like, I'm really enjoying, as much as when, when the position came open in Slave Lake and I was nervous about it, and I'm really enjoying what I'm doing now. Like you said, best job in the world. 99.9% of the time, there's always going to be those days where you're like, just why did I do this to myself? But uh, they don't happen often. So for me, it's every day I try to do something good for the fire service and make good choices. And, and I, I really like where I'm at right now. I'm not, I don't have my sights set on anything bigger or anything like that right now. And, and I mean, now, uh, as much as it's been off and on for the last couple of years coming to work, I get to come and see my kid every day. So, and I get to watch him grow and be a part of it. And, you know, there's a little bit of excitement in the air, I guess, now that he's, he's officially been freshly minted. Yeah. Given the position and it's, uh, all the stress of the processes are done and knowing things that I can't speak at the separate table because there's a process and, and, you know, I, I remove myself as best I could. I can breathe a sigh of relief at home now. So yeah, it's, I don't know. That's a great question. I don't know what the next two, three, six, ten years look like. It's, it's great to be here right now. It's great to not have to have a plan. Yeah. Just yeah. do this. Zach, I hope yours is better. <laughs> yeah. You guys is happy. Like, he's just rolling. 99% right. of the time. <laughs> I think for me, uh, now that the process is done, you know, there was a strong pool of applicants there. So uh, going forward, I have to go and show that I was the right person for the job and earn my place there now. There's, uh, you know, the easy part's done. Getting yeah. the job is the easiest part. You only got to earn it for like the next 45 years. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Now I, uh, <laughs> I got to dig deep and show that I belong there. Awesome. Well, he's actually been listening to things. Is that said, right? But... Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's cool. Good. Okay, boys, that, that uh, concludes our time. Episode 11. Really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, happy we got together and finally did this after a couple of years. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll do another one next year. <laughs> See how Zach's making out. See how his dad's making See out. See if he's still smiling. Your hair's still fairly uh, black. There's not that much gray in there, it yet. There's some so gray showing up. There's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old fire chief grayness is coming in, but uh, it's still subtle. He'll be all right. <laughs> well, thanks, Jamie, for having us. It's just been fun. Yeah, yeah. thanks. It's been great. All right, boys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram, at Chief Coots, to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.